Hey there, rescuers. Since releasing episode 14, Uncomfortably Old School, back in October, I've had a couple of lengthy but thoughtful sets of call-ins which I want to share with you today, but this episode is more than sharing those call-ins. I also wanted to reflect on what's happened in my own thinking around my hobby since releasing that episode. There have been some surprising developments. Well, at least they've surprised me. Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Che's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Welcome back and thanks for listening. Admitting my discomfort with the old school label and talking about my own relationship with the OSR as a movement appears to have touched a couple of people in a helpful and quite powerful way. Two listeners have taken the time to send me not one but several messages on the topic and I'm very keen to share their thoughts with you. But that's not all. Today I also wanted to reflect on the journey that returning to the old school primer and listening to some interviews on the Red Caps podcast, which you should absolutely check out, what that has sent me out to experience. I've made some surprising discoveries and perhaps begun to open a new chapter in my hobby. This is Season 11, Episode 18, Old School Reflections. So we begin with this. Two callers have been in touch about me being uncomfortably old school. First up is Carl Rodriguez from the Gemologist Presents podcast, who seems to have come across the episode from another recommendation and then found himself wanting to share some thoughts. So let's start by listening to hear what he has to say. Hey, Shay, this is Carl calling in. I really appreciated your uncomfortably old school podcast because I too sometimes feel like an outsider. I like a lot of modern games, I love grit and detail, but I feel I still have an old school sensibility and you going through the primer makes me believe that I do. Um, I enjoy how you outlined how you would approach different things within that primer and how you still like and use the old school type games. So, and I'm really wanting to see how this experiment works and how can I convince my players, but generally speaking, they do. I know uh, with WIFRIP, uh, my players trust me and and there's a lot of times when things just happen and we don't need to make a role because of the things certain things that you outlined um furthermore i'm going to start a kingmaker game up here soon and i really want to get rid of that idea of game balance because it's this time around so in, in the when i ran it for pf1 right you only got a book at a time and the books expanded and became more difficult as you went out of your sphere from the first, you know, when you set made your settlement. But now having the whole book, I have like the whole hex map. And I think it's going to be a challenge if players go off the rails in a different direction, which is fine. They have that ability, which is fine. Like I was saying, you have that ability, but I will have to let them know ahead of time that there could be danger out there in them hills. Um, 
that might be beyond their ability. And if they have to run, they got to run. If they go that way. And I think that is part of that mentality. The world uh, doesn't change as you change. The world just is, right? Um, it's a character in the in the tale. And um, yeah, actually, I want to echo uh, Jason's sentiment sentiment about hearing you talk about your sci-fi games. I really enjoyed your travel game. I'm sorry that schedules didn't work out. Maybe it was personalities too. I apologize. I was probably in a bad place at that time. I'm feeling a lot better and more positive, and I'm glad to be hearing you again. I should really listen to you and your positivity. I love how you share, and thank you for that. I was really drawn to this uh, podcast specifically because of what Connerly mentioned uh, on on his, uh, I think it was with his talk with uh, Rob uh, Menyon, Wee Timorous Bushy guy. And uh, yeah, I wanted to hear your take on it, and I was... I was very happy to hear it because some, you know, I felt really like you have. Um, I've been playing this game since seventy nine eighty, and why do I? Why am, have I been told in the past? Well, you're not old school, or you're not OSR enough. And uh, ninety seconds is still not enough for me as I ramble. I, this will be the last one. Thank you again for uh, uncomfortably old school. It really it made my day. Uh, had a I'm out traveling as my job has a lot of travel and sometimes it's lonely. So it's good to hear a friendly voice. So thanks again, Shay. I will hopefully talk to you sooner than later and uh, see you around. So a big thank you to Carl there for calling in and Carl, you're very most welcome. I, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. It is like the reason I do this. If someone's listening, hooray, I usually get Connolly calling in and let me know he's listening. So it's great to have you on top of that. And, um, no, I, I wanted to echo the thing that you, perhaps you made a clearer point in your message there than I did, which is this idea that the world just is. I think that for me, it's one of the strongest elements of like old school gaming that I really want to stick to. This idea that the GM is presenting a world that you're going to go and explore and, you know, and go adventuring in and, and, and make your character do whatever it is that you want your character to do but that world is not going to adapt itself to you and your character that you know initially it's going to be a struggle and if you go off um, somewhere that's really really difficult you're going to find things tough death is a possibility you know it's really a serious thing and I, and I feel like for me that is one of the strongest elements that I want to retain in my gaming and it also sort of sat alongside the conversation I had. I had a brilliant conversation last episode with Ron Ogden, and we were talking Pantheons, but I have to admit, and this is no disrespect to Ron at all, it's just that during that conversation I realised just how far away from his approach to gaming that I am. And it's not to say it's wrong, bad fun or anything like that, it's just to say how different it is. So he invoked the rule of cool and was talking about how you know he would change the rules of the game to allow players to do really cool and exciting things in the game, which is a completely legitimate way of playing. But for me, really uncomfortable. I, I was really having sort of sitting there thinking to myself, like, that's just not how I play. Now, obviously, Ron and many, many people out there in the hobby are out there trying to create great stories. And to make those stories work, they feel the need to manipulate the rules and to alter the world and change reality around the characters so that that story can come to life. And of course, that's completely legitimate. It's just not what I want to do. 
I feel like if I want to explore the world, I want that world to be a stable entity. And so Carl's thoughts were really helpful in clarifying that for me and, of course, helping me to reflect back to you where I'm at. So for me, like, number one thing that perhaps isn't that clear in the old school primer and perhaps isn't entirely stated very clearly a lot of the time, but for me, old school is about the world being what it is and you are going to have to, like, face that reality even though it's a fantasy reality. Thanks, Carl. So good to have that call. And actually, I'd also had another call from Brian all the way down in Australia from I'll Have to Look That Up podcast. Let's hear what Brian had to say. Aloha, Che. It's Brian listening to episode 14 about being uncomfortably old school and the OSR prompted some really deep thinking on my point. So really good episode. I appreciated that. And some of these thoughts may not be well formed, but listening to you articulate where, not necessarily where you are with, I guess, the movement, but really more what your what your sensibilities are, your play style, your preferences, and then maybe where that fits, I guess, on the continuum of games. It started to strike me more recently, and I, I know that there's varying degrees of OSR, but just even going back to first edition AD&D, you know, had gone back to BX a few years ago, looking that mainly in comparison to fifth edition, but I'd say more broadly, a lot of the games, it's strange that a lot of the things that maybe have come to represent I'd, I'd say the OSR or old school, you could almost maybe boil them down to a limited set of common traits. And some of them tend to be at odds with each other when you go back and look at the rules of a lot of old school games. And what I mean by this, my particular example would be AD&D, but I know that there are some other games that came out late 70s and 80s. I guess you could put Traveler in there, but i I have not played it, so I don't want to assume. When certain people will say, you know, old school favors rulings, not rules, and, you know, there's a certain lethality, and it kind of emphasizes what, what, what do you, you know, what does your character do, and maybe relying on some player skill to help explain that, rather than, you know, character skill on the sheet. I square that with going back to look at the AD&D first edition books now that I have them <laughs> and and realize that there are just so many convoluted rules and so many things in there that weigh down the game unnecessarily, in my opinion. And obviously, all of this is prefaced, and as many of us have run this, and even you know creators and original gamers, that the rules are there but you essentially can choose, you know, what to use, what to modify, et cetera. So I've never felt, actually I'll take that step back. I think when we were kids, we felt there was some need to get it right overall, but also some recognition that we didn't. And I think mainly getting it right was, at least for me, trying to make sure that when confronting other gamers, I looked like I knew what I was talking about. But even even BX and I'm not sure about original, but even BX with a simpler rule set compared to AD&D, and even looking at it now, you know, maybe compared to some modern games, 
there are some rules which seem to be a little bit more prescriptive and, and maybe not needed or, or maybe ready to be modified. And again, I, I, I think all of this, it's, it's at least clear to me and the way that I played them that that's part of the game, if not a big part of the game, is that, you know, the rules or, or and this what leads to the rulings are what dictates it. So it does strike me that when we had the retro clones, the biggest thing they evoked in me was the nostalgia factor, not necessarily a clamoring for some type of old school gaming that I guess I thought was missing. And I might be the exception because again, I had stopped gaming altogether for a while, but it just, it strikes me as strange that if you go back and look at a lot of the older games, at least the ones that were produced, I, I think they get convoluted and weighed down by rules. And this is where maybe I'm going off the, uh, maybe I'm going out of the paddock here, but I think the reason is it becomes a codification of house rules and iterations on house rules. And when I say house rules, rules that come out of groups with the intention of making things better in the sense that, and, and I'll ignore maybe some of the other history behind as I'm learning and reading some of the books of, you know, AD&D versus BX from a TSR and a business lens, but different versions of say Dungeons and Dragons or other games, the rules at times may get more complex or simpler based on rules that have been tested or come out of gaming groups that seem to work better. And it just seems that if you look at the evolution, there's a point where it tries to get in terms of rules, a little more detailed, mainly, I guess, as a part of gaming evolution, that maybe some of them were thought to be a better way of doing things. And again, you know, mileage will vary. But it strikes me as sometimes thinking about going back to a certain style, you know, the old school or the OSR, and and maybe this gets maybe a little bit closer to what you're thinking. To me, it was mainly about a little of the nostalgia. And I'd give a perfect example. DCC is a game that it is fun to play, but it evokes a nostalgia and a feel. And a lot of that is really from reading it and the art and the, and the style and sensibility. The, the rule set, although not too complex, is what based on a version of 3.5. So I, I don't know how old school. And in fact, I I'm not sure that I would choose to play DCC or any other game because I want to play, I guess, what would be an old school game. It It's something maybe that I don't necessarily think about. Maybe I did before, but again, in my mind, it kind of translated to nostalgia. And the more I think about it, and this is not going to be true for all gamers, but me as an example, when I first started and, and learned there was a thing called Dungeons and Dragons, I was in, you know, I was, God, so it was at U.S. elementary school and then into middle school and then a little bit high school and university, but, you know, I was younger. So even with AD&D and BX, even though I know that there is always a lingering thought of we have to play it right and you want to understand the rules, we obviously didn't. And we had more fun when we, you know, either adapted house rules, made things up and, and the emphasis on rulings. So, I'm I'm just I'm I'm starting to think about this more and forgive the uh, the, uh, the blathering as more of a either an evolution or maybe not an evolution in the sense that it's getting to a better game but just that 
a lot of this period and what people are, are, are clamoring back for, maybe it's, it may be more useful to distill it into certain aspects, whether it's types of rules, worlds, etc., rather than something almost nebulous like old school. This is where it would have helped for me to write this down into a script and actually record one audio file for you instead of multiple ones. And I would just probably summarize by saying that in listening to your episode, it really, as, as I said at the beginning, it kind of had me thinking a little bit maybe deeper, a little bit differently about the movement or OSR. And again, I don't, I, I in terms of a, a label or a type or a lot of the discussions, and when I mean the discussions, I'd say your podcast, a lot of the other podcasts I listen to, so Jason, Redcaps, Grognard Files, um, and, and, and several others. Most of the discussions are, you know, entertaining, interesting, and aspects. And so I don't necessarily associate them with with being part of a movement and having to feel like you belong. So I I don't know that, at least to me in thinking about it, maybe, maybe we have to frame it differently because that's part of what I would consider, I guess, the community of people that I listen to and would like to game with, although we're all spread out all over the place. And I, I don't know out of any of those, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would use a label of OSR and make it a binary choice, if that makes sense. So I'll leave it here. I hope you're doing well over there. Cheers. So there you have it, Brian from I Have to Look That Up, reflecting on the episode Uncomfortably Old School. And there are two things that kind of immediately struck me about that. Um, and the first was his discussion around AD&D, which seemed to echo something that Jason Connolly had said from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, and I'll just replay those comments for you now. Cool, Shay. I just started episode 1114, and you're claiming to have fallen through the cracks because you like more complex games. I don't know if you can get more complex than AD&D First Edition, to be honest. When, when you really look at that rule set, it's pretty darn crunchy. Um, lots of granularity, lots of exceptions, exception-based rules spread across multiple books. You have to flip and turn. This rule's in the Monster Manual. No, this one's in the DMG. Wait, this one's hidden in the Player's Guide. Wait, wh- how much capacity does that pouch have? Here, let me pull out the player record sheet and look in the, the inside cover. <laughs> um, that's just disorganization, not complexity. But AD&D is a pretty darn complex game with a lot of subsystems. You know, a lot of monsters have exceptions built into them and things like that. So I, I think it's about as complex a game as many of them. I mean, there's not like super duper complex math in it, but I, I would say it's much more complex a game than, say, GURPS. So building on what Brian and Jason are saying about AD&D, yes, I do think that we tend to ignore the complexities um, around that game. Now, it's interesting to me because, as I understand it, Gary Gygax at that time had at least one goal, which the stated goal of the book is to provide a coherent set of rules to allow for tournament play in the Dungeons & Dragons game. But also, I suppose you could be a bit more cynical, and some have claimed that he was also trying to take control of the game away from the community that had sort of spawned very, very many, lots and loads of different like variations and even different games, and was trying to like wrest the, the brand back into the box. Um, I don't know if that's kind or not. The, what got me, though, is this idea that he's trying to codify Dungeons & Dragons into a way it should be played. 
so that there's a kind of common code, if you like, a common approach to gaming that then people who come to conventions could take part in those those tournament games, which is always the strangest thing to me. But there we go as an idea, the idea of a tournament and winning D&D um, in that sense. But putting that aside, what you get is this codification of, of the game, which sort of brings together lots and lots of elements and ends up being full of rules. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Brian's hitting the nail on the head when he says that what this is, is the accumulation of things that have been tried in actual groups. And I think that's what happened from 1974 forward. I think Gary Gygax uh, was paying a lot of attention to what the community was doing and would steal ideas. We see the introduction of a thief coming from players from a different group. We see the same with different uh, other different elements of the game over time. So I find it really curious that I suppose what maybe the old school was, if we actually look at it from a historical perspective, is actually people doing their own thing with the 1974 box set of rules. And maybe the old school movement is more about us doing our own thing with that entity. It is, of course, also an entity focused on fantasy gaming and dungeon gaming specifically, alongside wilderness exploration gaming. And for me, the thing that really triggers my desire to play a game isn't so much a nostalgia as a desire to go explore. I love the idea of exploring a dungeon and I love the idea of exploring a world through the mechanisms of a, a hex crawl which are perhaps never really well defined perhaps best defined in basic expert the expert part of the bx and beckme rules but essentially that idea of going out and you know finding out what's out there in the world is what always fascinated me the most and so that i guess is where i, I kicked off a journey in my own mind deeper and deeper into the hobby and i just wanted to thank those guys for triggering those thoughts which have have led to the next section what i want to talk about next three key points struck me from those messages and i'm so grateful to the guys for calling them in firstly i'm not alone in identifying as old school in an uncomfortable way that I am not alone in being labelled as not old school enough, and that, as I said in episode 14, I am arguing that there is a spectrum of methodology. Secondly, that as a gamer, I am engaged the most by a blend of three core engagements, as I discussed in episode 16, Goals for Engagement, and those are, for me, discovery, I like discovery and I want to explore the game and the world the game takes place in. I want to uncover all the secrets, explore every room, understand every system and, and find every hidden treasure. As a GM, that's the kind of world, a rich world, that I want to present. Fantasy, I want to escape into another world. I want to be my character and lose myself in the imaginary world. As a GM, I want to offer my players the opportunity for deep otherworld immersion so that they can lose themselves in an imaginary world. The world that is, and the world that's waiting to be discovered. Challenge. I like challenge, and sometimes I want to compete. I want a game I can win or lose, and I want it to be fair. I enjoy getting into action scenes, and I care about steadily improving my character's abilities over time. As a GM, I enjoy giving the players a run for their money. And then thirdly, I want the world to be a place for adventure that offers those three engagements in absolute spades. 
places to explore, places that exist in my imagination but can be brought to life descriptively through play, places that don't mould themselves around the player characters but rather challenge those characters to survive. And so I decided to take a trip back to the old school renaissance as I continued to listen to the absolutely cracking interviews Kevin over at Red Caps podcast had recorded with Chris Goneman, Matt Finch and with others. And this is the story of what happened next. Firstly, I grabbed out copies of Chris Goneman's excellent basic fantasy role-playing game, one of the first OSR products published alongside other classics like Osric and Labyrinth Lord. What struck me was the Morgan's Fort supplement, which you can grab alongside all things basic fantasy from basicfantasy.org. This module provides a map of the Western lands complete with a short gazetteer and also a town, Morgan's Fort, and then three dungeons to explore. What I loved was that this is a framework for beginning to play the game, but it's very loose indeed. For example, only Morgan's Fort and the Old Island Fortress dungeon are actually on the map. The other two dungeons need to be placed by the referee. Followers of the GM's journal and my blog will know that I began to play the Old Island Fortress and discovered all over again some of the niggles that bother me about old school rules, but also I discovered the wonder of exploring a classic dungeon which led me back to wanting to write my GURPS adaptation to provide a stable set of rules in a stripped-down format so that I could play those old-school dungeons. To facilitate this effort, I began by rereading original Dungeons & Dragons from 1974, and I discovered some pretty interesting things, many of which I wrote about on my blog, entitled Challenges of the Underworld, but I'm going to pick on a couple of other points here. In short, I began to see, with much clearer eyes, the appeal of the old-school gaming methodologies. And for me, this is important. This is about methodology, not a specific set of rules. And also, why I keep finding myself back with old editions of D&D. I really dislike loads of things about the rules of pre-2000 D&D, but I'm fascinated by the core elements of play that connect me to what engages me about role-playing games overall. What I realise is that I'm seeking to run a challenging exploration game set in a fantastic world. Now the largest fear I contemplate in creating such a game is that it will not be sustainable for the long term. This fear arises from the thought that the dungeon, however large it might be, will not sustain players over longer periods of play. And while I think this depends very much on the quality of the play experience in the offered dungeon, it remains a key fear. And it's a fear I truly want to overcome. And I think part of the answer will be in embracing an open table. The original Dungeons & Dragons game published back in 1974, it's often characterised as focusing exclusively on the dungeon adventure, but this is not accurate. Book 3 is entitled The Underworld and Wilderness Adventures and contains rules and some guidance on providing wilderness adventure games. Thus, we see from the beginning we were introduced to the idea of exploring the wider lands around the dungeon and the settlement wherein the player characters begin their adventures. We discover upon inspection the roots of what's become known as the hex crawl within the original game and not just the dungeon crawl. These two primary game structures, the dungeon crawl and the hex crawl, excite me because they provide my three core engagements. 
Original D&D offered discovery in absolute buckets. You were exploring the mazy dungeons and making a map as you went. Players would need to poke their noses into every detail. Explorers would be engaged from the get-go, and the dungeon was, at least in the mega dungeon played back in the day, essentially unending. Add to this the possibility of exploring the wilderness through a hex crawl, and you've got a recipe I'm really excited to both run and play in. Original D&D offered a great deal of fantasy to players. I mean, at the start of the hobby, anything was on the table. Most games included elements of high fantasy alongside science fantasy tropes and even science fiction. Many incredible monsters and magical abilities and loads of things to immerse yourselves within the dungeon and the wilderness. As long as the rules got out of the way, the fantasy engagement was pretty strong and it became the basis for Eisen's Vow, the idea that we shouldn't let the players have the rules in front of them, and it remains the goal around Otherworld Immersion. Original D&D was challenging. You began with a randomly determined nobody character and had to survive in the Underdark. Most first-level characters died ignominiously. It was a challenge to get to level 2. The world was what it was, and you needed to adapt to survive within it. Running away was a valid strategy. Death was very much on the table, and that's what it made it so exciting for me as a teenager. So for me then, the attraction of the old school is based on two core game structures, the dungeon crawl and the hex crawl, plus the freedom to blend your fantasy in any way that you choose, even if it does include some science fiction here and there, plus on top of that, the challenge that arises from playing in a world that will not bend without you applying your skill as a player and your initially puny powers as a character towards making a change. The emerging stories we tell from these kinds of games, they're compelling to me. It's not the rules. It's not the story. It's playing a challenging exploration game set in a fantastic world. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll come along again next time. Game on. So that's it for another week. I hope you found these calls and reflections useful or at least interesting. Thanks to Carl from the Geomologist Presents, to Brian from I'll Have to Look That Up, and to Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast for the call-ins today. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue, and also to John from Tale of the Manticore for all the show music. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.